This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Frontline Gaming presents 40K Stat Center with your host, Val Heffelfinger and the Falcon. A bunch of nerds battled it out in the Bible Belt this weekend at the Iron Halo. And we take a seat where the elite meet to treat at no retreat eight. Finally, the Falcon breaks down the data on the state of space marines going into the Iron Father Ferios meta. Wee! We have returned. Sorry for the week hiatus, folks. Somehow, y'all decided not to hold any events for us to cover last week, for the first time in months, I might add. And Val did his best to try and permanently blind himself with a butter knife. Hey. So rather than just sit here and talk about how amazing our shit smell, like some other hosts might be wont to do, uh, we held our tongues until there was something really worth talking about. Please be patient with us. We've just hired on a social media representative to keep you folks more up to date with what we're up to going forward. Uh, and by that, I mean we're just going to force Tony to do it. Yeah. And you know, with this extra hiatus... Peter, I think I think I'd like to introduce a new segment. I, I think we could uh I think we should just do a little hobby progress. Okay, sure. Oh no, you put the yes and game with me. I'm just kidding. This week we'll be covering the weirdly auspicious Iron Halo GT and No Retreat 8, as well as go over where Space Marines stand after being in the meta for just over a month. Before we go into what many people may fear will be a dark, power-armor-dominated time. Judging by the reactions online, it appears we can expect every non-Marine player in the world to die come October 5th, when the Iron Hands Codex supplement starts seeing tournament play. Yep. Before we get started, we should always show that obligatory love to the Frontline Gaming Network. This week, you can check out Pablo Rule 34 Martinez, The Falcon, myself, Ridvan the Dark Sun Martinez, and Jason Toots Horn on Chapter Tactics as they cover the Iron Halo, how to handle proxies at your event, and just how gently the fact touched us all. Chapter Tactics. They try to be legitimate, but someone keeps inviting me on the show, and I can openly admit that I don't know what I'm doing. Also, take a peep at The Art of War with John Damaris and Nick Nanavati. This week's episode features ace pilot Anthony Chu as he dive-bombs the op- opposition, while discussing Eldari Flyers in 40k. And of course, tune in live every Wednesday on Twitch and to your favorite podcast den of promiscuity on Fridays for Signals from the Frontline, where this week Reese and Jason probably talk about the FAQ, make mention of the new Cities of Sigmar stuff for AOS, and generally yell at clouds. We're not really sure because it hasn't happened yet, and Jason is a fucking maverick, so you never know what he's actually going to do. Lastly, big shout out to our bestest buddies over at Best Coast Pairings. They're pretty swell and so is their app. So download it, subscribe, and enjoy the flow of information. Tournament news is made possible by bestcoastpairings.com. 
And download the BCP TO app to organize events for just about any tabletop game system. Download the player app to easily find and participate in events from around the world. Around the world. Subscribe to BCP for as little as $5 a month and support the team and unlock additional features. Available for iOS and Android. BestCoastPairings.com. Competitive events. Easier. Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plain, and the waving wheat can sure smell sweet when the wind comes right behind the rain. Oklahoma, every night my honey lamb and I sit alone and talk and watch a hawk making lazy circles in the sky. Yeah. Hmm. Let's just not do that again. Why? What's that? That's that's pretty rough. That was. I thought I nailed it. Uh. Listen, I think you really. I just. Hey now, I can't help myself. How can you not be excited? Our first coverage in two weeks, and it's a doozy. This last weekend, 104 players sauntered into the On the Rock Ministries in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, to take part in the fifth annual Iron Halo GT, an ITC major event. Not only does Iron Halo generally mark a turning point in our current eighth edition meta as the first event to fully implement the recent fall fact, and the last major event before the onset of Iron Hands and whatever other nonsense GW throws at us. It is also the final event in the vaunted Lord Commander series. 40k stats correspondent and event TO Jason the Rusty Trombone Horn was kind enough to let us in on his secrets. Hi, my name is Jason Horn of the Iron Halo. Our event has been going on for five years, and we started it because there were no other events in our area. It is held at On The Rock Ministries here in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, and uh, On The Rock is an awesome, amazing charity which helps disadvantaged youth by supporting after-school programs, uh, tutoring, and po programming programs to help them find their college and life career paths. The Meta, or Meta, was very diverse with a majority about 25 percent were space marines the other uh the other percentages were around you know another 25 percent chaos uh, xenos and the like now as far as we know the event ran pretty smoothly with only one quote-unquote issue springing up that we are aware of the event was streamed via Twitch at twitch.tv slash TV and featured commentators from a series of communities, including the guys from TFG Radio, as well as Reese Richard Robbins, Pablo Martinez, and Ridvan Scari. And I believe even the guys from Down Under Pairing showed up very briefly. Um, we highly recommend you check them out. There are some really great insights to be gleaned there. Um, the issue that we note occurred in the fourth round of the event and on stream when Matt Root's proxied Assault Centurions and Drop Pod were pulled from the table for not being pre-approved. We did have a situation happen uh, in the middle of Game 4 with uh, a well-known player, Matt Root, having, to ha having me pull his models because they were not converted. The rule of the story, ladies and gentlemen, is if you have any third-party or converted models, be sure 
to check with your TO to make sure they're approved, or they will be pulled when you least expect it. Indeed, Jason. Day two on stream would definitely qualify as when I would least expect something like that to be enforced. But if you're looking for more information, dear listener, Jason does cover this issue in further depth on Chapter Tactics this week. Matt would drop from the event after the ruling and apologize for not uh, following the player packet by sending pictures of the mod models into the organizers for pre-approval. So, Mr. Rutt, uh, GG on that one, I guess. Yeah, stop being a bad person. Well, he, God damn it. He's a doctor. He's terrible. I guess. He gets one. Anyway, after five rounds of hot, sweaty, man-on-man -man action, the Iron Halo would come down to three undefeated players. Kyle, or Sile, the cogitator Thompson with his monofaction admech, Nick, the copperhead Gower, running all of the Venoms GW has ever released, along with a few Inari models, and the eventual winner of the event, Nick, the Cyberdoc Sutherland, and his orcs, who absolutely lambasted poor West, the most royal of Tenenbaums, Anderson's knights, and Shadow Sword in the final. Let's take a quick look at some of these lists. Okay, why don't we, lad? Well, never you mind, Peter. I'm just going to dive in there and figure out how to say all this admex stuff. All right, so we got Kyle. I'm going Kyle Thompson. Uh, he's running uh, Admech. I believe it's, sorry, I believe it's Thompson. Oh, Sile Thompson. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely correct. He's running a Mars Battalion, Peter. It's very serious mm. uh, with uh, with the operative requisition san sanctioned uh, extra assassin strat deployed. Uh, the HQ is Baller Series Call and a Tech Priest Engine Series. Then got three units of five Rangers. Uh, nothing too fancy in there. And then we got two units of full great Electro Priests. Said every syllable. There's nine of them in the first unit, ten of them in the second one. And then in heavy support, we got three Onager Dune Crawlers uh, with the uh, Icarus Arrays. Ooh. And then four Scorpion Dune Riders. hey -oh. Scorpius, but it's okay. You're, you're doing really well. God. I'm proud of you. And, uh, oh, and a little guy sneaking in at the bottom there. That's right. It's the Terex Pattern Termite Assault Drill. Very nice little piece of kit there. And then we have another Mars Battalion Detachment. This one has a Daedalsis. Yeah, Daedalosis. Damn it. Tech Priest Engine Seer. Uh, it's got another um, uh, two units of Rangers. And then we got a unit of Skitari Vanguard uh, with an Alpha Rocking a Radium Carbine. Uh, in the heavy support slot, three. Here they are. Scorpius Disintegrators with all of that good stuff for no points. <laughs> yeah, this is quite the scary list. It's quite the, the gun line. Uh, Kyle's going to go into it a, a little more in detail there, but um, those Scorpius Disintegrators do work. Of uh, They're absolutely terrifying. And Mr. Datalosis at 50 points for a plus one to hit six-inch bubble uh, just makes... Admex, so ridiculous. I love it. Ugh. That's the noise I would make about this list. Well, that's very good. I was going to say, like, I was hoping that you'd be able to at least do, like, a modem sound uh, in celebration of uh, of the machine god, but <laughs> you know, whatever, dude. I'm, well, listen, so 
many moons ago when I worked in technical support as a teenager for the old school dial-up internet because I'm an ancient man. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked with a man who uh, would use the modem sounds to try to determine what was wrong with people's computers. Right. He would specifically ask them. Like He would be like, did your, your computer make this noise? It was quite annoying. Yeah, like that, except with his mouth. Was he the guy from Police Academy? No, he was terrible at it, actually. I don't know what he was trying to accomplish. Okay. He may have had an issue. Anyway. Here's something you should accomplish. Why don't you seamlessly read off a Dark Eldar list? I'll do my best. So Nick Gower, he ran a Cabal of the Blackheart Battalion Detachment with two Archons. Screwed up already. It's Cabal. They were rocking husk blades, and one was run- running a phantasm grenade launcher. He then had one, two, three, four, five, six Cabalite warrior squads, all of them uh, rocking a single blaster in the squad, and these are five-man units. He then had a Cabalite trueborn squad with four blasters, and then a second trueborn squad with four shredders, a Lemian, 14 Venoms, and then he rounded it out with a an RE Supreme Command detachment with an Otark Skyrunner and an RE Otark. was his warlord. Otark. 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 Uh, the Incarn and uh Ivrain. This is a list after the uh the the Skari's heart. Did he did he did he tip his cap uh, at it on chapter tactics this week? He did a little bit, but I guess he get, he went a little more in depth on um, his own show when he does because he does a Meta Mondays uh, oh, yeah. analysis show, yeah. recovers like the the undefeated lists from the previous weekend, mm-hmm. um, and he gave it, it its due. Then uh, one thing Jason Horn did mention on Chapter Tactics, if people uh, listen to us and don't listen to them, um, so the Iron Halo did use the full FAQ uh, that was only released like two days before the event, yeah. um, so long as it didn't impact um, point scores. So they made the decision uh, because in the FAQ you can no longer like the uh, Court of the Archon models no longer count towards dedicated transports, um, uh, which would have made this list illegal because the Lamian, uh, you can't take a uh, venom with the due to the Lamian Lamian, uh, but they let uh, Nick do that in this situation just because it would have uh, changed his list up by that eighty points or whatnot. Oh, okay. Well, that's very magnanimous of the t- TOs. Yeah, and I mean, really, like they, the player, they basically gave the players twenty four hours to uh, to adjust their lists, uh, which isn't enough time. And they they made that known to players that they would use the FAQ, but if it would drastically impact uh, their the build of their list, like it would make their list illegal, then yeah. that would fly. I'm not gonna lie right? to you, but, I I as a player, I prefer that even when they are extreme changes. I just I hate a stale meta, you know. I agree. I uh, It was kind of one of the little disappointments out of Nova was that they couldn't use the Space Marine Codex. Yeah. Um, given that, you know, it had been released, and but it didn't meet their deadline. Everybody has their own way of play. Um, yeah. Yeah, once upon a time, it is. like, FLG used to have, uh, like, a, a real devil-may-care attitude towards rules and stuff, but they've changed that in recent years, and I guess it's fine. Well, I know that they did have some problems. There was a, I think it was a SoCal Open, or maybe it was a BAO a few years back, where they uh, decided to use an FAQ that was um, relatively new, and it caused a couple players to get a little annoyed as they were already on their way. They had traveled like across the ocean to play, yeah, and they were already on their way to play by the time the fact was released. Um, so I, I know that they have kind of. That, that was the rule back. of three. That was the rule of three fact. Maybe it was. Yeah, actually, I think you're right. 
Um, but in in this case, I mean, SoCal, they're only hold, having a, uh, like a one-week breakdown. With It was just announced. So you have up to a week before the event, everything could change for you. Everything and nothing at the same time. More, but more you, than likely. Speaking of things that haven't changed, Orcs kicking ass, Nick Sutherland. That's right, guys. I'm going to do another list. It's a battalion detachment of evil sons led by a, a big mech with the R.I.P. Custom force field on foot, no mega armor, old school, war boss on war bike uh, with a power claw, of course, and the shooter knocking off two points, looking for those efficiencies wherever you can find them. This guy's cunning. And then he's got three uh, units of 29 boys plus the knob. And then mm-hmm. uh, we have another battalion detachment. Uh, this one, Death Skulls, of course, our friend, the Dreadwa Detachment, rocking that relic shock attack gun with a big mech. He's got another two normal shock attack guns, no relics there, uh, for a total of three. And then he's got three units of 10 Gretchen. And then in heavy support, he's got, um, you know, a bunch of mech guns. They're all smasher guns. I'm going to guess uh, roughly 12. That's a lot of smasher. You, you guessed correctly just by counting them. Whew, thank goodness. All right. And then finally, we have a Bad Moons Battalion Detachment. What could be in here, folks? Two weird boys. About 33 Gretchen uh, in three different units. And then we've got a heavy support of 15 Ludas with the throwback choice. Going back to the Ludas, digging deep. This is a this is a this is an old school codex list right here. We got boys, we got smash guns. It's great. This is a super shooting list too. Like the this this outshoots a ton of stuff on the on the table right now. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, just I mean, just the the shock attack guns and the and the lutus and the smash guns. Yes, yes, but they I mean, it's it's, it's it's yeah, it's it's good. I like it. Of course, it's good. I like this new, this new turn to back to mech guns. Uh, like when you looked at the orc codex when it first came out, that was um, one of the um, the units that everybody kind of glommed onto at first. Mm-hmm. Everyone was like, "Look at how cheap these things are! It's absolutely stupid. There's no reason why you wouldn't run 18." And then people started thinking, well, maybe you shouldn't run 18 because of how ITC works. Um, and so you barely saw any for a long time. But then over the last month or two months or so, you're slowly – it was at first there was four, then five, then six. Um, and now like we're seeing 10 to 12 pretty frequently on the North American side. In the UK, everyone's straight up just running 18 because they don't know how to just not run the max of whatever squad they can. There's no, they don't, they don't have acid over there. It's like, well, if, if six work, then 18 work better. That's absolutely the case. And uh, I'm also glad in the ITC world that, uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of examples of people just not giving an F about Kilmore and giving it up. Because uh, yep. you're going to do that with Smash Again. So faux show. And, For uh, sure. Yeah. Early on, at least. But then hopefully you make that up by yeah. just killing your opponent before they can do anything about it in the late game. Yeah, with the, it's like with the Siegler Talus, it was just dismissed out of hand. How could that be good? And the answer is uh, there's more than two turns. And to go into greater depth on those other four turns, plus the first two of them, we asked all three of our standard set of questions to give us a run through their thoughts on the event, their list, their choices, how they played out, and then we added the option to discuss how much they considered the Space Marines release when making their lists and where they feel that meta is going. Sile and Nick Sutherland were more than happy to oblige, but unfortunately for your lovers of 
the Dark Kin. Nick Gower has apparently disappeared back into the webway and will not return until the Lord Marshall series resumes in November. With Nick Gower unable to provide us with any information, we also reached out to a stoic Wes Anderson for his take on the event and having his dreams stolen away by the mouth from the South, Nick Sutherland. Let's hear from him first. I had a blast, and I won some gold-plated dice. Jason, his judges, and our host, The Rock Ministries, always put on a smooth, fun, highly competitive event, and this year was the best one so far. In my list, every unit has a specific role to fill. The knights are there to put pressure, the shadow sword and command executioner are there to destroy big targets, the command punisher and wyverns are there to destroy hordes. As long as everyone does their part, I tend to do pretty well. If I lose one of those groups round one or early on in the game, it turns into an uphill battle real quick. That's a tough one. It's close between the wyverns and the shadow sword, but I think the shadow sword wins MVP. The ability to obliterate one major target a turn is really helpful against things like Disco Lords, Daredeo, Dreadnoughts, and Knights. Also, using the Crushem strat and charging the Shadow Sword into combat is always a good time. It was definitely against the Orcs round 5 in the final match. You expect to see Ludas and Shock Attack guns, but 12 Smasher guns on top of that was painful. He had more guns, more bodies, more mobility, and more range than my list. I knew it was going to be a really hard match, and Spearhead Assault for deployment only made it that much harder. I had to deploy aggressively if I was going to even attempt to make it across the table and make something happen. Hiding would have just given him free reign of the board. I am definitely not used to being outgunned, so I had to risk deploying in the open and hope for the seize roll to go my way. I played one Ultramarine list. I deployed the Shadow Sword, Knights, and Guardsmen full front to counter the Triple Invictus Warsuit threat. I went first and moved everything straight at him. Killed a Derrideo, an Invictus Warsuit, six aggressors, and left one Invictus Warsuit with two wounds left. Over the next two rounds, he killed all three knights. Kalgar even came out and showed my Knight Warden what the Gauntlets of Ultramar can do. The next round, Kalgar went down to a Volcano Cannon in the face, and then only left two Thunderfire Cannons left to clean up. Oh man, what an overly excited dude. Next up, we've got Kyle Thompson dropping some knowledge on his transport-filled gunline. Kyle is a well-known face in the competitive admech world, though he's perhaps best known as being one of the old progenitors of the Samael Triple Talent Master lists that had a brief time in the sun about six months or so ago. Let's cut to some clips from the man himself. So how my list kind of works is it's an admech gunline. Um, it's three crawlers and three, three disintegrators uh, piled around call. Uh, and then also the pilot transports to for mobility and delivery of both my my troops and my priests. Uh, really, a really cool thing about this is it has a pretty low amount of drops with only 14. Um, finally, I have an assassin, so I, I get a little bit of a sideboard, be able to be able to tailor my army in a way to uh, to whatever I'm playing against. And honestly, it feels like feels like I'm playing Battle Company in a way. I have 11 halls on the on the table uh, with 10 plus wounds each, uh, you know, and then all my small squishy things are all are all hidden inside the either inside transports or are off the table. MVPs MVPs of my list um, were definitely the disintegrators, uh, three trans three tanks with uh, indirect fire, uh, D6 missile launcher, and nine stubber shots, and on a 12 inch move platform that. Doesn't, it doesn't have any penalties when it's moving, is just huge. Uh, the ability for them just to reach out and touch and have relevant shooting uh, to almost any target in the game is just paramount. Um, 
But honestly, also the uh, the humble transport uh, is just keeping my troops alive, keeping the priests alive, uh, delivering the priests to uh, to the targets that they need to get into, and also them writing move blocking and and absorbing Overwatch was absolutely critical uh, in almost in almost every one of my games. The hardest matchup of the weekend was probably Dan Salmon's uh, KF Dreadnought and Disco Lords uh, soup thing. Uh, his list is has, is really kind of hard to pick secondaries against. Um, you, if you pick Headhunter, you you know only get really get the Lord Discos and you know a couple characters that hit him behind the Plague Bearers. Uh, if you pick Big Game, you have to you know you, you have to kill all the Dreadnoughts. Picking both of them together is basically saying, "Hey, I'm going to board you," which is which is kind of just a poor plan overall, just because there's so many so many uh, wounds on the table. Um, finally, his list is, has a lot of it's a poor assassin choices. I'm not able to really pick things that um, you know, like I, like I usually pick the Calidus, for example, but the Calidus isn't really uh, isn't really a good choice there. So how did the game go? Uh, well, I wound up choosing choosing the Cluxus with Big Game, Reaker, Recon, and Engineers. And my Engineers was a Transport and a set of Rangers, which kind of perplexed him a little bit. Uh, however, it was ITC Mission 5, so I had, a, I had a Precious Cargo objective that I just piled my whole army on. That was opposite of his. And um, we had Pointy Down a War, so... Kind of nowhere. No matter where I went, if I just had Rangers as my like engineers, they just get killed because of his Dorito indirect fire. However, they were certainly not going to chew through the transport and the guys inside the transport when he needed all of the shooting to deal with my eleven hulls that are on the table. Uh, he wanted going setting up to, to go second. However, uh, he won the roll to go first and took it, um, and then kind of realized that he was set up to give me a 12-inch charge with my priests, which means his uh, Lord Discos really didn't do too much turn one. They just kind of sat there and, and waited, for, uh, waited for his shooting to do some work. Uh, turn three was honestly was a really big swing turn. Um, he had all of the shooting up at that point and then one, uh, one Disco Lord, but he didn't, he did, with all of his Butcher Cannons, he did like eight wounds total amongst all my vehicles, and I was only down one of my disintegrators. Um, in my counterpunch, I picked up his Lord Disco, uh, one of the Doritos, all of his troops, so both his Brimstones and the remainder of his Plague Bearers, and, uh, and his Nurgle Herald, um, and grabbed the bonus point with my Cluxus that, that jumped in, in the northwest corner that grabbed his, uh, uh, grabbed his bonus point. Uh, after that was that was really big, honestly, a five point turn, and then I was able to hold more for a couple turns after that. Uh really, really got me ahead on primary. Um and 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 helped me max my secondaries, almost max my secondaries. Because uh, one of the one of the mistakes he did was he chose Mark for Death on my on my crawlers, which are honestly uh, a bit of a trap because they they are a five up really one invo. Not that it really mattered against him with all his minus one shooting, but they're surprisingly tanky, and you know I do have two repair guys running around in my in my deployment zone. He also picked old school, um, which is a fine setup. I mean, he's not recon. I suppose is probably, is probably kind of hard for him, but like 
no one kills call. If I lost call, I my game's over. And also you wind up not getting getting the line breaker point. Overall though, uh he was a he was a he was a really fun fun opponent. He plays really, really clean, which was which is really enjoyable. Uh we had a judge call early over a really obscure guy dying out of transport does that proc the the purge thing, but we handled we handled it fine and uh I'd love to play him again. Finally, my thoughts on the new Marine book. Um, honestly, I think Marines are going to be great. I like that there's uh, several different builds with the different books. You know, like Iron Hands plays different than Ultras, plays different than Raven Guard, plays different than White Scars. Um, in fact, I'm, I have a double execution or triple Victor uh, Ultramarines build that's been super duper fun. And uh, I took an RTT with it a couple, week, couple weeks ago. Um, Specifically, I guess the Iron, Ma- Iron Hands matchup is totally a thing, and I wrote on Goonhammer um, my thoughts on it. Uh, basically, it's if you if you also have Executioners, it feels like a Castellan duel. Um, otherwise, it kind of feels like like the Triptide Tau matchup, where you know it's a ton of shooting. You're probably not going to kill the things they're they're killy things, um, but it's a lot of points into not a lot of models and with some okay terrain and some okay positioning, you you might just be able to play the mission and just, and just get there. Um, I mean, it's not, it's, it's still not going to be like how the Castellan was uh, a five up invo, even with minus one damage is, is a lot, uh, but it's only 16 wounds you know, it is TA, but it's like it's kind of like it's kind of like shooting at a knight, you know, and everyone can kill a knight. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not as I'm not as doom and gloom as maybe maybe the rest of the rest of the community. It appears that Kyle borrowed Tony's echo mic for that one. Thanks a bunch, though, Mr. Thompson. And finally, let's hear from the man himself, Nick Nasty Boy Sutherland. I'm running the same list I've been running. Uh, it's 12 smashes, 15 ludas, three shock mechs. One of them's the relic, and 90 boys with about 63 grots. Uh, I outshoot every list. Uh, if, uh, there's no list that can go toe to toe with me. Um, and key strategies are to keep my boys back, deep strike them, and make some eight inch charges, and take uh, out a lot of uh, the heavy armor with uh, my smash guns, ludas, and uh mechs my hardest matchup came uh, round three uh, i managed to squeak it out 30 to 29 uh, i had a seven point uh bottom of six swing so it was 23 29 and i managed to get it to 30 29 it was against a white scar uh, battalion and a six white scar successor battalion the list was very unique it um had two uh repulsors uh, uh whirlwind scorpius uh, two Phobos captains, two regular captains. One of them was on a bike with double warlord trait and uh, assault centurions and 30 scouts. In our game, um, it was definitely a uh, very uh, tactical game. Um, none of us really committed uh, to going toe-to-toe. Well, uh, I didn't commit to go toe-to-toe with my boys, and he didn't commit to go toe-to-toe with his uh, repulsors or his uh Relic Scorpius, so we just kind of stayed back uh, and tried to play the mission pretty well and grab as many points as we could. 
I've definitely started building a marine list myself, so I definitely knew a lot about them. I was uh, discounting assault centurions. Um, I was not including them in my list, and as they were ran with the White Scar Successor chapter, adding three-inch range to them, um, I can definitely see how they can become powerful. They are able to put out close to uh, well, exactly 72 shots of Hurricane Boulder at 27-inch range. That's going to be strength 4, AP negative 1, 1 damage each. Uh, they're also going to put out 12 flamer shots at 11-inch uh, range. Uh, they are going to outflank, so they will be able to come in 9 inches away. And uh, yeah, they're tough. Uh, 4 wounds each, I believe. 2-up uh, armor. Uh, I was definitely discounting them, but uh, in a white scar list, I see how they uh, do really well. Uh, I don't think they're going to do that well in um, Iron Hands list, but uh, we'll see about that as well. My overall thoughts on uh, the new Marines are that they're going to be a very, very strong list. Uh, I still think that my orc list will be able to deal with them, um, but it, it will be close games. Um, some of my favorite builds are uh, Iron Hands uh, with um, five character dreads, six flyers. Uh, Iron Hands with... Um, three relic Sakarian Punisher tanks with three Redemptors and uh, White Scars with um, Assault Centurions. I like 30 Reavers in my White Scar list and with the characters and stuff. There you have it, folks. That wraps up the coverage from the Iron Halo. Before we go, we want to give a special shout-out to Ben Irwin. He has been on the show a few times now to talk about how good Doritos are as basing materials, proper dog care around your models so they don't eat your bases, and perhaps most importantly, due to a series of wins with Eldar Flyers at GTs and Majors over the last few months. He actually did come in fourth place at the Iron Halo, an act that just barely sealed him with the victory in the Lord Commander circuit over Dan Sammons. Never change, Chef Sherwin. Or do. We don't really own you. You do what you want. I just want to say a personal RIP to the Dorito bases and screw you, Mike Brandt, for making him change them. Screw you, Mike Brandt. Hey, man, that should be a bumper. Anyway, we'll let T.O. Jason Horn get the last word in as he gave us a sneak peek on what to expect next year. The tournament was overall a great success. We raised over $4,000 for On the Rock Ministries, and uh, we are... It's one thing that we always do. So some of the things we want to improve on is uh, next year uh, we are planning on working with Andy on planning getting a bigger space. And stay tuned for more details about that. Uh, and you can check us out on Facebook at Iron Halo GT or on our website, ironhalo.org. Tournament news. Hello, everyone. This is Dustin from the Stutter Scrub Podcast, and you're listening to the 40K Stat Center. From the height of competitive Southern 40K, although I thought that was WarGamesCon, we move on to a GT for those who don't like their meat touching their potatoes, if you know what I mean. That's right. We're going to The Rock. And neither Sean Connery nor Nick Cage can get you off of it. Not for probably like the next 10 minutes or so anyway. For sure, we're about to cover No Retreat 8, a 42-player application-only Mono, kinda, codex, so, event. So Pete may have been a little bit reluctant because this is a, this is an off the wall format, and you know, seventeen fifty. A lot of the things that maybe people think Peter doesn't like, but listen, 
No retreat. Maybe it's just the fact that I've watched a lot of tabletop tactics in my day, and this is a tournament that that uh, Lawrence Baker has won four times with basically, from what I can tell, whatever Dark Eldar models he happens to grab on the way out the door. Um, the no retreat format is an uh, applicational, a not quite invite invitational at any rate. Um, yeah, you, you actually have to apply to go to this thing. It's on the Rock of Gibraltar, which is uh, kind of between Africa and uh, the Iberian Peninsula, a.k.a. Spain and Portugal. Yeah, and, it's, uh, it's uh, a British colony. Uh, unceded British territory. It's like the l- only Sorry, colony yes. that they didn't, uh, they, they were like, you know what? We're going to hold on to that rock. Yeah, we want you. It's kind of nice when you think about it, that they were the ones that they kept. Yeah. Anyway, that is besides the point. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a, a comped event. It, it, for some factions, it's monocodex. For others, they're allowed to ally in, say, Imperial Knights, but they can only be uh, me- Mechanicus if you're running Admech. They can only be uh, Imperialis if you're running, say, Space Marines. Um, there's a, I would highly recommend you check out SN Battle Reports if you want to see the full list of uh, list composition requirements. Yeah. Um, it's actually a very interesting event. I have watched a few um, other internet personalities uh, like Tabletop Tactics talk about it um, in the past. Val knows a little bit more about it than I do because, uh, as he said earlier, while it's not that I have a hatred for these things, um, because of my dead-on focus for one particular style of event, mm-hmm. it kind of leaves me blind to uh, all of these other ones that uh, you people decide you want to run for your fun and, you know, 36 minutes into a show, who knows if any of the people who would want to play an event like this are even still listening. I don't know, but if you are, look, if you're kind of still grumbling about soup and stews and everything mixing together, this format is actually, I think, really well crafted. I don't know what the meta would look like if people actually went out and tried to, to beat it to death, because it's also a, um, a very hobby-central uh, event, uh, you actually have to meet a painting standard before you're allowed to go, uh, which is kind of cool. Uh, yes, you have to send in like five headshots of your list yeah. uh, for people to for them to examine. Um, like when we say it's a it's a popular event, they only have forty two slots. They always fill them. Mm-hmm. Um, they never have a dropout. Um, and um, the model, like the armies, are all gorgeous yes. that end up showing up. So it's, uh, and for people that are on the fence about this whole. Are my ultramarines allowed to be black, or are my iron hands allowed to be blue? No, nope. they don't allow that there. Uh-uh. You have to paint them to their uh, their their chapter colors when you run them. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, if you're if your ultramarines blue, your ultramarines blue, and that's the thing coming into it, and it's it's a real big event, and obviously no one actually lives on the Rock of Gibraltar except for Mr. Pardo, who's uh, the proprietor of uh, SM Battle Reports, and also uh, f- from what I can tell, someone who doesn't respond to my messages. Regardless. Uh, he's been uh, running these these events there. He's also running a regular uh, format ITC event in March, which uh, mm-hmm. which looks a little intriguing. Anyone who wants a not quite Africa, not quite Europe getaway uh, GT destination, perhaps this is for you. Um, but really, what I was trying to emphasize is that I think this is uh, there. There are very few truly alternative formats that exist really anymore. Everyone kind of plays more or less stock or even lesser versions than that, like Disallowing Index or Forge World or whatever. This tries to make Monofaction um, kind of interesting and very themey uh, by placing restrictions. There's also a two-detachment limit 
uh, per army. So essentially, you've got to take either a battalion or a brigade plus another detachment is, is essentially what you're allowed to bring. And that other detachment can be allied in from something else. The other thing is, too, is you can only bring one uh, like sub-faction keyword. So you can't even bring a sub-detachment of White Scars with your Ultramarines. Uh, you have to have them all the same one. So anyway, lots of yep. neat stuff like that. Again, I have no idea how this would play out competitively, but if you're in a conservative uh, meta or a place where a lot of people are turning their noses up at, at the competitive scene still, even though I'm pretty sure those places don't exist very much, or if you're just a person who prefers, you know, not letting, uh, you know, uh, different cultures mix, then hey, maybe the SN No Retreat <laughs> Battle Reports format is for you. And you went you went to a weird place there. Well, Pablo. that's all I ever think uh, when people say I, I pure lists is like, are like what are we talking about here? Like you're looking for purity. I, I understand. You're looking for some some purity. Anyway, um, moving right along. No people who like monofaction doesn't mean you're someone who only likes monofaction. I'm going to get off this train because you're right. I'm pabloing the hell out of this thing. You're doing a really good job. It's almost like I invited him on instead. Why don't we talk about what actually wound up winning? We're just going to cover this, uh, uh, I think, rather quickly, but I figure why not? Let's let's read these two wacky lists um, uh, as as they are presented. Why don't you take the first one because the second one is easier. Uh, you want me to do the chaos list, the one that would eventually win, or the blood angels? Oh wow! Yes. Oh yes, yes. Uh, do the chaos list. Okay, so the eventual winner of the event, who went five and zero, oh, was uh, Chris Tuttle or Tutil, uh, from Twisted Dice. Tuttle. He ran a Thousand Sons Battalion detachment with Ariman, uh, two Demon Princes. He had uh, two units of 10 Chaos Cultists and then a unit of 28 Zangors with the Brayhorn. Um, he then had a Zangor Shaman, and he allied in a um, Renegade Knight Detachment. He had a Knight Despoiler with the Reaper Chainsword and Thunderstrike Gauntlet, and then a War Dog with the twin auto cannons, and then two of the new Moirax War Dogs uh, running double lightning lock. Fantastic! So there you go. There's a there's a good themey feel right there. Uh, you've got a uh, you know uh, mono faction core detachment there, uh, Zinchi Chaos Space Marines, Thousand Suns, of course, and then uh, you know you just sort of add a little bit of uh, Susan of uh, the Renegade Knights. It's very nice. It's delightful. And then uh, moving over to his opponent in the final round, and also the only person who returned our messages, although I must say that Mr. Tutil, as Peter calls him, uh, was just sort of caught between travel and work and wasn't able to record for us. So no worries there, bud, if you happen to listen to this. Um, getting back over to uh, his opponent, though, uh, Joe Mascardini. Probably like Moscardini or something like that. At any rate, he's running Blood Angels, folks. Just Blood Angels. And, like, pretty straightforward. Here it is. It's a uh, battalion de detachment uh, with a Primaris captain uh, and a Primaris lieutenant leading that sucker. And then he's got uh, one, two, three, four units of intercessors. I did read. Are my old old eyes deceiving me? Uh, that is what I nope. saw. Correct. Yeah. You definitely saw it. It's, uh, it's three units of five and a unit of ten intercessors. There you go. And there's a reason for that because he's also got three super casual 
repulsor executioners uh, coming along for the list. And that's the, that's the whole thing. You forgot two very important models what? Uh, to what make the, the units tick. Oh. He's got a smash captain, like yeah. uh, everybody knows and loves, and a Primaris Ancient, uh, which is uh, very important for the um, the Blood Angels. Where is this? Oh, there it is. Jeez. Right in the middle. It's like we don't even rehearse. At any no. rate, uh, that's his list. Uh, he did get back to us. Why don't we kick it over and let Joe uh, maybe give us a little bit of background on his feelings about the event run down his list, and uh, talk about his final match. Yeah, so total um, experience of the event, um, overwhelmingly positive. I absolutely uh, love No Retreat. This is my third time going, um, and I would encourage anyone who's thinking about applying and, and taking your chances of getting a spot to, to, to go for it, because for my money uh, and my time, it is the absolute best 40K event um, on the planet. Um, and it's a truly global event. Um, so over the three times that I've been, I've seen players from Australia, uh, from Russia, from the States, from Canada, so, so truly everywhere in the world. Um, and while it is a tournament and a, and a phenomenal tournament at that, um, it is a lot more than that as well. Uh, it's, it's, you know, four days of uh, hobby uh, nirvana um, uh, spent with, with 40 awesome like-minded people who love the game as much as, as I do. Um, and you leave with, with 40 new awesome friends. So I'll be going for as long as they'll have me. So um, building for Mono Faction um, actually isn't, isn't a big change for me because I play Mono Faction um, in every event I go to, um, ITC, ETC, whatever. Um, just a personal preference. I don't frown upon um, Super or anything like that. I just like to play that way um, to challenge myself. Uh, so no retreat is great because it kind of forces everyone to play by the same rules that I'm playing by, which obviously gives me a big advantage. But um, if you think about a specific list consideration, um, you know, knowing that I'm going into that field, uh, the plasmas on the executioners would be a good example of that. Um, you don't see them very often, despite the fact they um, mathematically are comparable to the laser or even outperform it in, in many, many situations. But uh, where they do fall down is against um, big minuses, and obviously flyer spam is a big source of that. Um, flyer spam isn't allowed in no retreat, so taking them was was an obvious choice because um, you know the big weakness is, is simply not a factor in the format. Yeah, so the way I approach playing the list, um, you would fairly assume, um, looking at the list on paper, that it's all about the uh, three repulsor executioners. To a degree, that's true, of course, um, but actually the way the list wins is typically through utilizing those 25 intercessors, um, particularly in combination with the Blood Angels, um, relic, five plus, feel no pain, banner that's on the ancient. Um, so over the first uh, two to three turns of the game, the, the job of the repulsors is actually not to kill things that kill repulsors. Um, it's to kill things that kill intercessors. Um, you are assuming actually, and, and more often than not, that your repulsors will be dead by turn three or so, um, but that your intercessors will largely be intact and your opponent's ability to deal with them um, will be will be mitigated um they're very difficult to kill without specific tools um and that's particularly true with the blood angels five plus film the pain banner yeah so the um the mvps of the list uh you know building on the previous point um most definitely the the intercessors and um, they are they are the unit that actually wins you the game um nine times out of ten um and you know particularly as blood angels um blood angels intercessors with with that five plus film a bane banner 
are not only extremely durable but also um, extremely versatile. Um, you know, shock assault was was a huge deal for them because it it really enhances the value that you're already getting out of the two attacks um, with red thirst by bumping it up to three. Um, a unit of Blood Angels Intercessors is, is, is very capable in almost any scenario on the tabletop and, you know, specifically is extremely good at bullying your opponents, um, let's call them scoring units, um, and that's, you know, to build on my previous point, how I typically win games by getting into a position where it's my Intercessors versus those kinds of units and I can win. Yeah, so um, the last game of the, the tournament, I went into game five um, on four max wins, um, I was the only player in that position, so in a really strong position to, to win the event. I think, actually, all I needed to do was um, not lose Max, uh, which, unfortunately, of course, fate being what it is, I, I did. Um, and that was due to a, an enormous mistake that I made in that final game. I was playing against Chris, and he had a Knight Rampager, um, and I miscalculated, um, just in my head, the total threat range that it had for a turn one charge, um, and I deployed a little bit too far forward, which allowed that turn one charge to happen, um, which more or less led to the game being over pretty quickly. Um, so big, big mistake from me that I, I won't be making um, again, uh, but big props to Chris, my opponent. Um, he played beautifully, and, and of course it's his job to exploit mistakes that his opponent makes, which um, he did. Thank you very much, Joe, for sharing your insights on the No Retreat 8 tournament over in Gibraltar. Um, also, you know, I think it's plainly obvious at this point that, uh, we have a fetish for unusually located tournaments here on Stat Center. So glad we could hear, ha have a voice from someone who went to this event. And, um, for anyone who's interested, uh, coming down the pipe, like I said, a normal, uh, format, and by that I mean ITC format event coming up in March of 20, wow, 20, March of 2020. Um, and then I'm sure they'll be sending around the weird boxes of invites uh, for the next No Retreat at some point in the next few months as well. So, with that all said, let's hit a bump. Tournament News. This is Colin. This is Mitch. This is Chuck. And we're from the Best in Faction Podcast, and you're listening to 40K Stat Center, where one host has a really strange nickname, and the other one's called The Falcon. Yes, that's right. My name is Val Heffelfinger, and now we're going to bring a little bonus content here that actually is uh, kind of episode 15 and a half. Last week, of course, we didn't record, but we kind of meant to, sort of. And uh, Pete actually did a little bit of a, a, a take on his own uh, about the Space Marine meta, and then uh, I almost blinded myself with a butter knife and forgot my laptop at work. Unrelated events, but nonetheless, we didn't get an episode out. So for your listening pleasure, we're going to kick it over to, to Pete from like five days ago talking about what the Space Marine meta is bringing to a table near you. Hey guys, it's your boy Falcon coming in hot with stats on Space Marine so far. I've managed to record 13 events since Marine launch, and just shy of 4,800 games that have allowed the use of the new Codex and its earliest supplements. The results are intriguing and kind of align with my earliest predictions. You may recall about six weeks or so ago on Chapter Tactics, Sean Morgan, myself, Pablo, uh, we all went over how we predicted the uh, Space Marine Codex leaks uh, would impact the meta as a whole. I'd mentioned I felt that Marines would eventually end up being about 20, maybe even 30% of the meta. 
um, they'd have a pretty middling win rate, and that their T-whip would be pretty high based on what we'd seen so far and the rumors uh, that we'd gotten from, uh, you know, just offhand words from playtesters and GW themselves. Uh, before we get too deep into where they are now, let's take a quick look back at how they've been performing since the spring fac. So, uh, prior to this codec launch, and like I said, after the spring fac, Space Marines as a primary faction accounted for about 5.5% of all lists in the meta. Of those lists, 65% were run as a single codex. They boasted a 45% win rate as a primary and 44.5% when they were run as mono faction. Uh, the only factions actually that were performing worse were their Power Armored Brothers, Grey Knights, Blood Angels, Space Wolves, and Dark Angels. And that's an order of top to bottom by win rate. Um, over 51% of Marine lists were being run as Ultramarines, and almost exclusively with uh, Mr. Rubber Booty Gullyman, with Raven Guard and Salamanders being next in popularity at about 11-12% to apiece. Um, Ultramarines lists actually had a pretty respectable 50.5% win rate. Uh, from a competitive standpoint in the post-spring FAQ world, Marines uh, had a T-whip of about 1.76%, with three lists having gone undefeated since May. Um, and they had an abysmal average first-round loss of one67 uh, once again, for those of you unaware, the T-Whip statistic stands for Tournaments and Winning Position. It looks at all lists that have gone at least four games uh, before suffering the first loss. We've noted that the most healthy factions from purely tabletop standpoint tend to have a T-Whip that is relatively in line with the percent of the time their faction is taken as a primary in lists. Uh, between it and the average first loss statistics, you're generally getting a more accurate depiction of faction performance at high-level play uh, than win rates. Win rates can be skewed pretty easily, especially at mid- and lower-tier tables. Uh, you can look at Orcs as an example. They've consistently won or top-forward a number of large events since their release, but have rarely made it above a 50% win rate. Um, now, if we look at the last three to four weeks, in the 4,800 games of data I've collected so far, they've Marines have shown a pretty dramatic swing. They've gone from that 5.5% of meta to being almost 13, 12.85% already. Um, the swing here seems to have been through small numbers across the board for factions in that time period. Uh, the only other factions that really saw a significant change in their use post-Marine release have been uh, Imperial Knights, which went from about 10% of the meta to 7.5, but also Chaos Knights, which went up from 2.5 to 5 in representation. Uh, most other factions only saw changes at or below about 1%, so it seems that uh, there's not really one faction that everyone has in dropped to pick up the Marines. It's It's pretty even across the board. Um, Marines have also now boast, uh, boasted a win rate of just over 52%, which puts them in the same target range as Tau and Drukhari in that same time period. Um, and they have a monofaction win rate that's actually 1% higher, just shy of 53 um, This It shouldn't be a shock that due to doctrine and supplement uh, functionality that monofaction space marines now make up over 91% of all marine lists. Um Marine lists are also getting about two more victory points per game on average in ITC-based uh, missions, and uh, they're giving up one point less 
putting them at an average VP per game of 23.5, which is relatively in line with most other codexes. Before, they were very low. They were almost at the bottom of the scale. Um, but that 22.5 VP against they now have is really only bettered by Tau, who sit at about a 22.47. So it's, it's they're almost deadlocked. Um when it comes to like factions with a statistically significant amount of games, at least uh, Harlequins are lower than that still, but they have very few. Um, they've they've been used very little as a primary faction, and that's always been the case. Uh, prior to Codex release, Marines were only really consistently beating Tyranids. They had a 57% win rate against them. And everybody else in Power Armor, uh, they had about a 56 to 58% win rate against Blood Angels, Grey Knights, and Dark Angels. But they were getting the crap kicked out of them by Knights. They only had a 33% win rate against Knights. Uh, Drukhari, they only had a 36% win rate. Tau and Custodes, 38 um, so far, in these uh, last few weeks, uh, the current builds that people have been using seem to have struggled against Necrons. They only have a 27% win rate over about 30 games against Necrons. Uh, they have a 20, uh, correction, a 38% win rate against Custodes. Uh, those uh, Cladis Scrap Tanks still doing work. Um, and, uh, surprisingly, a 40% win rate against Death Guard, although this seems to be more at lower tables. Uh, these are first and second round losses, uh, more than anything else. Uh, while they are beating orcs about 65% of the time, they're beating demons 69% of the time, and Chaos Space Marines 64%. Uh, don't put too much into these numbers just yet. Uh, usually when it comes to faction versus faction, we need a lot more than even 4,800 games um, on record to get a really good gauge for what's beating what. Uh, but it's, uh, it, it's starting to give an idea of at least where the current meta is, is going to run. Um, that being said, um, this, these numbers in particular are probably going to take a little while to grow and I'm probably going to actually have to split them out by, um, supplement because some of these supplements are already looking like they play completely different from each other. Um, Iron Hands and Raven Guard are almost polar opposites in terms of uh, what kind of list you're generally going to want to run, for example. So it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. Um, so as I was saying, look, these numbers are all pretty good. They're nice. I, I wouldn't call any of them other than that uh, their faction representation and that uh, average VP against uh, Dramatic. Um, even that average VP against 22.5, like, um, your worst factions are only 24, so it's hard to say how much weight you should put in that. But uh, that uh, list representation being at almost 13, those are numbers that we haven't seen since uh, Guard with Castellan, which occasionally, um, in a similar time period or in a similar amount of tournaments, would boast something like that, a 12 or a 13% uh, faction representation. Um What's probably the biggest indicator of their impact so far has been the immediate skyrocket they've had in T-Whip. Um, like I said, they, were, they weren't they were even at 2% of uh, T-Whip prior to the Codex. But over these last 13 events, uh, Space Marines now account for more than 20% of all lists that have been in a winning position. And uh, they now have an average loss of 2.12, uh, which is pretty high. Um, they're definitely higher out there. But uh, when you combine the two stats, like, this is a very, very uh, powerful release. 
Um, we also have to keep in mind this data does not include the battle for Birmingham or the GW GT Heat 3 because um, I wasn't able to get lists from either of those events. However, both did allow the codex and supplements. What we do know from those events is that Marines also placed highly in them. Uh, there were two Marineless lists in the top four that uh, got to that T-Whip score at Birmingham, and two of the undefeated lists at the GWGT were also Monofaction Astartes. Um, now, if we compare this to other big Codex releases in recent history, it's very clear that this may be the norm, um, at least from a like a T-Whip ratio, though perhaps not um, in terms of just how, like, how dramatic it is. Uh, if you look at Gene Steeler cults, they went from being just shy to of one percent of the meta to four point two uh, within a similar release window, and they boasted about an eight percent T whip uh, with a similar amount of events. Imperial Knights went from about three to four percent of the meta to over ten percent. Uh, their T whip has always been around twelve percent. Um, they had a brief spike in the first, I would say, week after launch where they were at about a 15. Uh, but since then, they've kind of toned themselves down to a point where their T-Whip is about representative with their list percentage. Um, and then you had Orcs, which went from 2 to 3% of the meta to 6. And they've uh, on and off held about a 10% T-Whip. So the ratios have been pretty good. Um, nothing in that 20% range, but also other than Knights, none of these factions have been, you know, 13, 14% of the meta or even close. Um, so, yeah, the difference here is definitely scale. Um, and I think the other one that we need to consider is the fact that this really isn't even Space Marine's final form. We still have five supplements that have yet to see tournament play. And uh, several of them seem to be on an even bigger power level on what, uh, than what we currently had. Uh, White Scars are definitely deadly, and I'm not sure if they've been figured out yet. Um, but Iron Hands, um, on paper, definitely look like they are something that people need to account for and may need to build a list completely to try and take out, which um, is something most of the other Marines lists I would say you didn't have to consider as well. I'm really curious to see how this meta evolves once all the supplements are in place. I'm cu I'm a little worried that creep's gotten a bit out of hand, but um, you know, you never know. Maybe a few carefully applied FAQs uh, and then a com com like some kind of realigning of the current codex lists we're seeing from everybody else, uh, they might be able to keep it in check. I'm really hopeful, though. If these numbers skew any further, it definitely becomes really dangerous. Um, my assumption is that we'll be able to see by SoCal Open just what kind of landscape this codex is terraformed into being. Anyway, until then, folks, keep calm and get good. I'll talk to you later. Not so fast, Pete. You're going to talk to us right now. So thank you for uh, for recording that. And uh, it was some nice ready-made content in the can. Uh, my follow-up question was, I mean, with, with, with Iron Halo at uh, 20%, where, 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 what's our, what is the stat center over under? I think I've, I, I once have already said in message 40% Marines at some point. Do you think we'll see uh, a, a share of the meta that huge? Well, I do mention in that uh, clip um, that I predicted on Chapter Tactics a couple months back um, at 25 to 30%. I felt 40 was the top out. 40 is like the the like this the cap. I can't see it ever getting higher than 40% um, without the game completely breaking. 
essentially. Everyone would have to move to War Machine or some other game for it to hit a 40% marker. Um, but I think a 25 to 30 is definitely not out of the question. Mm. And I feel we'll see that at SoCal Open. Uh, once Iron Hands is uh, in everybody's hands, and then Imperial Fists, because we, we've we heard time and again from playtesters, from Reese, Pablo. What's, what's the date on SoCal? Uh, SoCal is the last weekend in October, so uh, end of this month. One. Yeah, and um, I know that a big reason why Reese has uh, held off on the rules and only just now, re- uh, you know, announced that he's uh, he's putting the cutoff as the the nineteenth, essentially seven days before SoCal actually occurs, um, is to try and get as many of these supplements in. I think there's a hope that um, by that time any Iron Hands FAQ will be out, mm-hmm. and that we'll have the um, Imperial Fists and Salamanders Codexes, uh, Codex supplements, I should say, in our hands. Um, and so you'll have a pretty decent picture. We haven't heard anybody talk about Black Templar yet. Um, I'm assuming they're the final supplement, uh, but if there's not any talk about it, um, it leads me to believe it's not as strong um, as uh, what we're about to see. Yeah. I mean, the, the, when they first announced this supplement um, arrangement, uh, I think they said six books, right? Yeah, I believe it's six or seven is in the picture. Um Oh, I know that Imperial, it's based off of the leaks. Imperial Fists does include Crimson Fists as well, oh, okay. uh, which makes sense. Um, and if there is a seventh, then it, it really just leaves Black Templar as the only option. It is possible that it's tied into the Imperial Fists book as well, just like Crimson Fists is. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I think at this point, it's it, people have made it pretty clear what they feel the strongest um, on paper codexes are. And I think you've seen it also from, and these same people have also said they like Raven Garden White Scars. They're not slouches by any means, and they're probably a better better supplements for um, like higher tier play. Um, they were, there's just a, but there's just a lot more failure points with these factions. Is the is the concern right? Yeah. Um, and I think you'll like. There's a lot of there's a lot of little things to possibly be trepidatious about, as I would say. Um, but I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that once everything comes out, we get our FAQs, things will settle, we'll hit that 25 to 30% mark, and then maybe we drop down and we stay steady at about 20. That's my. That would be, I think, a healthy place for Space Marines, given their their position in the uh, the lore as you know the be all end all for Games Workshop. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I I I don't actually have. I mean, aside from Grey Knights, and for some reason, a massive collection of Space Wolves that I've just bought for nothing recently. But like, I, I, I like uh, Space Marines in a in a in you know in a bird dog seat. I, I, I like um, the the quality of these rules. Maybe some of the Iron Hand stuff is a little over the top, but overall, I mean, the the stuff that I've seen, the way it plays, is just it's a lot of fun, and I think it's. Uh, going to really challenge people sticking to other factions to uh, to innovate and react to it because uh, the marines are awesome and um yeah i think i think pretty much everyone's going to have at least a fantasy of starting a space marine army right now so i really i just want to quote tony on this um recently he and i and tom layton we're having a talk about uh, Space Marines and and how strong the Iron Hands are, or at least on paper. And uh, what he said kind of hit home for me. It's that uh, he said things shouldn't exist that can increase player performance so much without a same increase in player skill. Um, and that's I think that's my main problem with the the like the potential strength of Iron Hands and maybe Imperial Fists if they're everything they're going to be cut up to be. Is um, we've seen it in the past where. 
um, like the Castellan list before it got FAQ'd into the into a more like reasonable place um, was pretty much a joke to play. You didn't it didn't require a ton of uh, player skill. It made up for it with infinite CP and you know, 120 point models that could kill 600 point models easily without any, uh, you know, negatives. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. I, I suppose I'm just of the frame of mind that uh, we need to see how the market reacts here and the market being what we refer to as the meta. And I agree. Uh, I mean, like, like I said in the in the clip, um, I'm hopeful that people will, you know, just adjust. Uh, the, the thing about the meta is it's always this kind of like weird circling beast, uh, uh, like this, uh, where you know something comes up on top and then everybody, you know, text to beat that thing. And uh, with Marines possibly being 20, 30 percent of the meta, 40 percent even, um, everybody else is going to 100 uh, percent have to tech to beat Marines, just like people tech to beat Imperial Knights. Yeah. And maybe that will be all it needs to self-regulate. Um, maybe it doesn't. Who knows? We'll find out. We'll find out, and the game will go on. And if it's really that bad, guys, don't worry. GW's got our backs. One more bump. Tournament news. Hi, I'm Chris from Canhammer, and you're listening to 40K Stat Center. Or you were listening to 40K Stat Center, because I think, dear Peter, that pretty much wraps things up for this week. That's everything I had to say. What about you? Well, I'm just really happy to be back in the saddle again. I'm glad to see some tournaments going down. I'm so happy to see how upset everyone is out there about all kinds of things going on. It's a it's a wonderful day to be active in the 40K scene. I love every minute of it. I wouldn't have it any other way. I know. It's strange, but very true. So, uh, yeah. Got anything uh, else to add? Bye-bye. This has been 40K Stat Center, a presentation of the Frontline Gaming Podcast Network. Like what we do? Subscribe to and rate us on YouTube and wherever podcasts can be found. Join the conversation. Follow 40K Stat Center on Facebook. You can also support the show directly by joining the Chapter Tactics Patreon and competitive 40K in general via the ITC Patreon or by grabbing a subscription to BCP. BCP.